Continuing our conversation on school choice, Idaho lawmakers have tried over the past several years to put some kind of program in place that would let parents choose where their children go to school, using everything from vouchers to education savings accounts, but none of those past proposals have become law. This year's proposal involves a $5,000 tax credit per child who is enrolled in private school. We're taking a deep dive into school choice this session, so we asked Rod Grammer to join us today. He is president and CEO of Idaho Business for Education, and he wrote an op-ed that says tax credits have the same impact as a voucher program. Rod, really nice to have you on the program. Thank you, Gemma. Nice to be here. So, Rod, before we get started, can you tell folks what Idaho for Business Education is? Yeah, Gemma, we are a group of uh, more than 250 business leaders from across the state that um, our mission is to help strengthen education in Idaho and create the workforce that our employers need. I always like to say also we our job is to help students uh, set students up for success in school, work and life. And Rod, does your group have an official stand on the school choice tax credit bill that's currently before the Idaho legislature? Yeah, we have uh, we have opposed uh, various uh, forms of uh, privatization over the last several years, and our board of directors has uh, consistently uh, taken a position against any form. And, and Rod, in your opinion, is there a difference between tax credits and what are commonly known as school vouchers? Because a lot of times, the word school vo- the, the the term school voucher sometimes it feels almost like a dirty word in the school choice debate. Well, they, there is a difference, as you've outlined in your introduction, um, but the end result is the same for all three forms, and that is they put a strain on the state general fund uh, and jeopardize funding for public education and, and other programs as well. Uh, Idaho already ranks 51st in the country for per-pupil spending, so we can really ill afford to start funding uh, uh, two or three new um, forms of education. So very quickly, before we really get into the, the, the debate over this, can you tell us um, what a neighborhood school is? I'm a, it's a public school, correct? And, and, and are they impacted by school choice programs? Well, all forms of public education are impacted. And in Idaho, we have many choices for parents. We have the what I call the traditional neighborhood school, the school down the street where you live. Mm -hmm. We have open enrollment in Idaho where parents can actually uh, send their kids to other schools in the school district or even other districts. We have magnet schools that specialize in the arts or science and math. We have charter public schools um, in Idaho. Many, uh, we have many new ones in the state of Idaho. So we have many, many choices And uh, any form of voucher-like legislation would put a financial squeeze on on, uh, supporting all these forms of uh, education. I I should also add, we have homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have many people in Idaho that that, uh, educate their kids at home. So we have all these various choices in Idaho. And any voucher-like legislation would put a strain on financing those, other than homeschools, of course. So, Rod, you looked at tax credit programs in both Arizona and Florida, and and you say those costs are actually higher than those legislatures anticipated. 
Yeah, if you look at Arizona as an example, it was the first state in the country to pass universal education savings account. They estimated the first year it would cost something like $333 million. It ended up costing over $500 million. Second year, they estimated it cost $65 million. It's costing upwards to uh, seven, $800 million. It could, in the next year, it could cost up to $900 million. In Florida, uh, the the uh, universal program there uh, is estimated to cost uh, maybe between uh, uh, two billion and four billion dollars, much higher than the legislation was estimated to cost when it was passed. In your opinion, Rod, is the proposed Idaho program just a redistribution of wealth? Well, what it is, Gemma, really, and this is, you know, we've learned the the nice thing about our situation in Idaho is we don't have any of this legislation. So we can learn from what has happened in all these other states. And what what has happened in these states, uh, vouchers originally were created in Wisconsin in 1990 to help move uh, low-income and vulnerable students from public schools to private schools. But what's happened is that all these programs in the these states have become essentially a subsidy for families who already send their kids to private or religious schools. Anywhere from 65 to 70% or even more in these states, uh, the money is really going to families that have already chosen not to send their kids to public schools. So I don't know if you call it a redistribution of wealth, but it certainly Mm -hmm. is a situation where money that is intended to go to public schools, where the vast majority of our kids go, is taken away one way or another to basically give a subsidy to families that have already sent their kids to uh, to private or religious schools. Then they've already made that choice and are paying for it already. Yeah, exactly. And that's why when I say that we can ill afford to create to start funding new school systems. So it's you know, we have a limited state budget. And so when we decide that we're going to start supporting private schools and religious schools as well, um, that's all new money that falls on the shoulders of taxpayers. Uh, so either uh, in many states, people have to raise their property taxes to to compensate for the money that they've lost in state funding. So, you know, when you rank 51st in the country, you re- really can't afford to start uh, funding two new school systems, one private, one religious. Are you concerned that if a tax system passes in Idaho, this bill that's in front of the legislature right now, could it potentially open the door to an education savings account program? Oh, absolutely. That's what's happened in every state. Um, um, Usually these programs start small, like the one being proposed here in Idaho, but they always expand. So Arizona is a great example, again, because it was the first state in the country to pass a tax credit, like similar to the one that we have in Idaho. Um, And then they created an education savings account. And now that education savings account is universal. So you can be a millionaire and still get money from the state to send your kids to a private or religious school. So that's the trend in every state, that it starts small, but it expands and eventually becomes a universal program, regardless of how much money a family makes and regardless of whether they ever sent their kids to a public school. So, yes, this is the first step toward 
what I call privatizing our education system in Idaho. And do you think a school choice program in Idaho, and you mentioned this, property taxes, would that have, could that eventually happen with property taxes being raised now or in the future? Because as you've mentioned, with all of these states that have implemented some type of school choice, the what they allotted monetarily has skyrocketed. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll use Indiana. I could use almost any state that has voucher-like legislation. But in Indiana, uh, I talked to uh, a woman, Katrina Hall, who's had, who was head, and I think she just retired recently. But when I talked to her, she was head of governmental affairs for the Indiana uh, Farm Bureau. And the Indiana Farm Bureau has opposed vouchers in Indiana, even though they've expanded uh, greatly, because... Uh, the farmers in Indiana have had to raise their own property taxes just to keep their schools open at the local level because of the strain that voucher-like legislation has put on the state general fund in that state. So here you have a group that's, you know, very uh, grounded, the, uh, the Farm Bureau in Indiana, that has officially opposed it because it does, um, uh, and in other states it's happened as well, Basically, people have to raise their taxes at the local level to make up for the loss of funding that comes from the state. In Wisconsin, it used to rank uh, 11th in the country when it came to per pupil funding, and now it's in like the mid uh, mid uh, 25, I think it is now, um, states in the country that uh, per pupil funding. So, you know, it really does have an impact, and and either schools close at the local level or people have to raise their property taxes to supplement the funding loss from the state. Well, Rod, I want to thank you so much for taking time today to talk to us and giving us this perspective. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. It's been great. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.